Well, just before Valentine's Day on February the 14th, a poster went up uh, around Christchurch. It was a, a very powerful poster, I thought, that uh, was an invitation to rejoice in God's love. It's difficult to see from afar, but it does say to rejoice in God's love, it's not just a one-day thing. I was really clever. Ian Brown, I think, thought of that uh, idea. It was a, a great idea because God's love was, is something that is never-ending. New every morning is God's love, writes the hymn writer. Jesus expressed and embodied that love every day of his life. He took up what Jeremiah spoke of God seeing, speaking to the people of Israel, I have loved you with an everlasting love. There's no exception to everlasting. We heard yes, last Sunday uh, in Psalm 23 of the way that goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. All the days. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That house of the Lord is a house of love because the Lord is there. The Lord who is love. In Psalm 63, we've already heard those words, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. It's an opportunity to praise God, to glorify God, because that love is better than the best of life that it can ever be. And to rejoice in God's love is not, therefore, just a one-day thing. It's not just a Valentine's Day event. It's all day and every day thing. And to know that joy again and again and again, to rejoice, to replay the joy that comes from being loved. And so the focus this morning that we're looking at is not just that God loves me, true though that is, but the much greater challenge to somehow receive that love and to rejoice in that love, to be, as it were, in the element of love, caught up, supported in it, soaking in it, swimming in it. Rejoice in the Lord always, says St. Paul to the Philippians. So we are to rejoice in his love always, to soak in that love. You want to imagine, for example, a hot bath. Something that rugby players might have after a really tough game. <laughs> Why is that funny? You may have won or you may have lost. Sincere condolences to those who lose. A great joy for those who win. But there's the hot tub. You know it's there. You believe it's there. It's obvious that it's there. But it's not until you actually get in to that hot tub and you soak in it, you scrub yourself clean and you can just enjoy the healing, restoring effects of that hot water. Maybe have a laugh and a pint or two with those in it with you. Rejoicing in God's love, receiving God's love, the healing, that the affirming that that brings is like nothing 
else on earth. So I want to ask this morning, and we are going to have a reading shortly, but I want to ask a practical question as to how, how can we uh, receive God's love ourselves? Because we're all different, we're all wired in a unique sort of way. But I remember going with Sean, my wife, to Holy Trinity Brompton many, many years ago when the marriage course was just launched. And we thought this would be a really fantastic course to bring to Christchurch. And delighted that Sue and uh, Adrian were able to bring that and launch the course when it first came out here. But one of the most striking things for Sean and I was when we learnt about the four love languages that were described on the course that I hadn't really heard about before, and neither had Sean. Four basic ways of receiving and giving love. And by a lovely coincidence, the poster has four sets of balloons going from that main source of love. Four basic ways of, of loving. Firstly, uh, the Cillian and Nikki Lee described uh, the ways that we receive love primarily through, or some of us receive love primarily through words of encouragement, words of praise. You know, if you've been digging the garden all morning and you're pretty all in, that the garden looks very different because you've turned it over, you've put in uh, chicken manure and it's all ready for the vegetables. And one's wife or friend comes out and says, oh, that's really great, well done. It looks all set for the, the new planting now. For me, that makes a big difference. I don't live for praise, but it always helps. <laughs> and it means a lot by then it's said by someone who loves you. Second uh, language, as it were, is that of giving gifts. Some people are receiving a red rose on Valentine's Day is the ultimate expression of your lover's love. And you'll be sent into ecstasy by this gorgeous bloom and you put it in a wonderful vase and it'll be there to remind you of the love that that person has for you. Another person might say, why did you spend all that money on one of those red roses that are twice the price of what they normally are because it's Valentine's Day? They'd far rather gone out for a meal together. For that person, gifts isn't their love language. But for another, it might well be. And so there can sometimes be some confusion, some feeling of rejection, some sense of, they don't really love me because they haven't spoken your love language. Similarly with gifts of actions, doing the washing up, making the tea, doing a lovely meal. That might be somebody's love language. And to do that for them is a really fantastic, beautiful, loving thing. It may not be yours, so by doing it, it's quite a sacrifice. Oh, I hate making tea. But you know because the person who is, you're doing it for, it's their love language, so it will mean a lot to them. Love is sacrificial in its, in its heart. Thirdly, the third of those balloons 
um, is, is often described as being listened to. Being listened to by somebody who is alert and with you, even if they might be bored stupid, at least they don't fall asleep. Does this ring any bells with one or two people? I speak from my own experience. It means the world to my wife if I don't go on the phone and listen to all, all the messages and things that I might have had or... I'm just so interested in this television program that I'd rather not hear what she has to say about her day. Being listened to is a very important language for some people. And fourthly, of course, the whole area of intimacy, physical expression of love, whether it's holding hands, whether it's something much more profound and intimate than that, holding and being held, touching, being able to express love in words that you would never say or hear to somebody that you didn't ultimately trust enough to be totally vulnerable with. So intimacy is a vital language within a loving relationship. And for some people, they're not that bothered about it. Other people... They don't feel loved unless that is part of it. And it's worth asking, which of these do I relate to most? Maybe one or two that particularly strike a chord. Which is your primary love language? I'm not asking you to <laughs> tell me. I'm just asking you to consider that. You probably know pretty quickly. Now here's the good news. Because God is love, he is multilingual. God speaks all the languages brilliantly. Encouragement and praise. Think of those words that God spoke, the Father spoke to his son in his baptism. You are my beloved son, with whom, in whom my heart delights. I love you so much, you are the, you're, just make my heart thrill. Gifts. What more greater gift could God give than his son? God so loved the world, not only to us personally, but to the whole world, that he gave his only son. Whoever believed in him, not perish, not be separated from that love, but receive eternal life, know the eternity of being loved that nothing can separate us from. God is so ready to listen to our prayers. There's an old Church of England collect that says, Thou who art more ready to hear than we are to pray. God is so ready to listen to us with his full attention. And of course, the intimacy side of things. God is a one who comes close. And it's sometimes in moments of worship, where everything else seems to fade into insignificance, of that intimacy, of that sense of nearness, of being held by God, can sometimes be utterly profound. Our reading this morning is from the Song of Songs, where this intimacy of love is beautifully, poetically described. 
It's called the Song of Songs because it is the greatest of all songs. Jesus is the King of Kings because he's the greatest King. He's the Lord of Lords because he's the greatest Lord. This is the Song of Songs because it's the greatest song that you can ever hear. It's a song of love being sung over the world. I just want us to hear just a small part of it. This poem is very unusual to find it here in the Bible. But here it is. And Angie's going to read part of it to us now. Yes, today's reading is taken from chapter 2 of Song of Songs, verses 3 to 13. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Listen, my lover, Look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My lover spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. This love poem depicts love in all its beauty, its spontaneity, its power, and its intimacy. It holds us in its tensions, anticipations, promises, and joys. It is an invitation into love. Arise, my love. God calls us into his love. Arise, awaken to my love, and come away, come with me, come to be with me where I am. Come and be a part with me on our own. How often did Jesus do that with his Father to that quiet place? And that call continues to echo through the centuries. It's why we set aside time just to be with God, not just to pray and study the Bible, but just to be 
in God's love. Why we go on retreat for a day or for a week so that we can listen to the voice of the one who calls us the beloved. Henri Nguyen, the Jesuit writer from the last century, said that the most profound experience a person can ever know is to hear yourself being called the beloved. That poem uses a rich variety of metaphors to express the subtle sensitivity and most intimate forms of love. It's worth setting aside time just to read it as a poem and allow it to speak to you. Does God really love like this? Really love in that intimate way? What do you make of the intimacy of the upper room? Here's Jesus kneeling down, taking off the sandals of his disciples and washing their feet. If you've done that to another person, you know it's a very intimate thing to do. Sharing a meal, breaking the bread, giving it to them, pouring the wine and saying words, this is my body given for you. This is my blood, my life shared with you. You can't get more profoundly intimate than that. It's a total abandonment of himself, offering of himself once and for all. For we are indeed the beloved of God. And the invitation that we're going to make very shortly to all of us is to arise and come to the Lord for that prayer of blessing, to come confident in the knowledge that we come to the one who loves us and calls us loved. For the Lord is here to heal and to bless and out of love to restore and make us whole. For Augustine it was who said, our hearts are restless till they find their rest, their peace in you. God's love is a love like no other. It is the love of all loves. It is an everlasting, ever-giving, always encouraging, ever-ready-to-listen and hear, a love which causes the beloved and invites us to abandon ourselves into his love and rejoice in being loved more than we will ever, ever know. I'd like us to have the opportunity to be still for a moment and listen to a song which is based on these words from the Song of Songs. That many years ago, a friend of mine, Ian Davis, was so moved by this poem that he was inspired to put them to music. And I want us to close our eyes and listen to hear our lover speaking to our soul, the voice of a dove, the voice of the Holy Spirit who comes to us and says, you are my beloved child, your son, your daughter. Let's be still. Oh 
We do worship you this morning and praise you only for that invitation to come to you and be loved. We pray that we might be open to all your love now and always. Thank you, Lord. The invitation is simply to come as we do for communion whilst the worship group come and, and play some music in a moment. 
that uh, take up that theme of, of being loved. We're going to have two, uh, three stations at the side here and also one at the back so that whoever would like to come forward and receive a simple prayer, you don't need to ask for anything, just the people praying will just pray that you may be blessed, that you might be filled with God's love and that as you go back to your seat, you might continue to receive that love, receiving love is what God wants us to do this morning, receiving so that then we can give more freely as we go out into the world. But let's receive the love that God has for us. Let's come forward and place a hand on your head and just pray that God's love will fill you and refresh you. So those who are coming forward to come and pray with those, anoint with oil, please do come forward. Worship group, come to the place and then we'll move into that time of, of receiving. Time to give thanks and to rejoice in that love that God has for us. Come to whichever station is closest to you as you'd like to.